the Radio Randomly podcast. Hosted by Gondi and produced by Gia Moylan. Chatting randomly to radio people about radio. We made it episode 10, double figures for the Radio Randomly podcast. And I feel like we are just getting started. We've got some great chats lined up still to come, which I'm really looking forward to, including this one for episode 10. It is Seb Costello from Triple M in Melbourne. You might be familiar with his work for not just the Triple M network, but for Channel 9. He was their foreign correspondent for the last couple of years. So you've no doubt seen him on the Channel 9 network news or heard him on various radio shows around the country. That's how I built up a bit of a relationship with Seb. We had him on our breakfast show and he was just great at covering some of those big world news events for radio. He's a... He's an interesting one with radio. He kind of sits in this journalist slash content driven guy, which is a great space to be. Molded in a similar light to Eddie Maguire. Actually, Eddie is one of his mentors. So you can see where he fits in there. And he also fills in for Eddie Maguire as well. Currently hosting the Winter Breakfast Show for Triple M in Melbourne with Paul Ruse and Limo. Get a Listen to that podcast if you get a chance. They do a great job. You may have heard their chat with Michelle Laurie off the back of what happened with Barry Hall on Triple M and the comments made. So that has been in the news lately. Also, his return to his role at Triple M in Melbourne on the Hot Breakfast as a part of the news for that show. A job which he had in the past and then went off to do the Channel 9 correspondent thing. But he's back in Melbourne working on the Hot Breakfast and... That's what sparked this chat for the Radio Randomly podcast. And it was just great to hear that he's just got this vast radio career behind him. And we sat down and we had a chat about it right here on the podcast. The Radio Randomly podcast. Chatting randomly to radio people about radio. Seb Costello, welcome to the Radio Randomly podcast, mate. G'day, Gondi. It is great to have you on. Where I want to start with this is that... You know, this is a radio-based podcast. A lot of radio people listen to it. I'd say it's about 99% of my audience are radio people. But do you call yourself a radio person? Without doubt, yeah. Radio uh, was certainly my first love. So, I mean, there are going to be people outside of Victoria who might know what I do best from, you know, the recent posting to London with Channel 9. But but no, absolutely, radio is is in my blood. So, a uh, bit of background, um, around the time I finished high school, I started doing uh, you know, community radio in Melbourne. The, the station to do that on is CINFM, which is still going out of RMIT. Uh, and that was uh, about 2004, 2005. I <laughs> did a show with one of my best mates, Dan Thomas, called The Desperate Houseboys, which we thought was a <laughs> hilarious playoff of the popular TV show at the time. Um, but anyway, so, so I... Uh, Finished school, started a journo degree, but um, was a uh, young man in a hurry. <laughs> so, yep. you know, I thought, oh, yeah, what am I going to learn at uni? I want to get out into the field. So, you know, I started uh, sending around, as you did in those days, your CD demo to um, to, to various country radio stations, uh, you know, with, uh, with a little headshot and a little bio and... Um, the, uh, the only one that came back with a, with a positive was the, the first job and I jumped at it. And so in 2007, uh, having lived in Melbourne all my life, I walked into mum and dad and said, oh, I've got a job. They said, oh, great. Where are you going to start, son? And I said, uh, Taree on the mid North coast of New South Wales. 
Well, 20 minutes later, they picked their jaws off the floor and started helping me pack my bags. And, yeah. uh, and that's where my career started. It, um, it was a Kerala station, it might still be. Uh, Max FM 107.3 on, uh, on the, the Mid-North Coast's hit music station it was at the time. And uh, I uh, went into the drive shift as a jock calling myself Seba. Seba, you need that classic radio name, mate, don't you? <laughs> Seba, That's how right. long did that stick for? Oh, mate, less than a year. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as a Victorian, you know, I um, I tried my best to teach myself rugby league, but it wasn't coming naturally. So I uh, got a job then with what was called, from memory, the Rich River Broadcasters, who have uh, stations in uh, Wangaratta, but also in Echuca Daniloquent. So Classic Rock 1025 in Echuca, and the AM is 2QN Daniloquent. So I did breakfast out of Echuca, which absolutely loved it out there. It was great. If I solo? Wanted... Were you solo? Yeah, I was. I was. But, I mean, the great thing about uh, country radio is, you know, you you have your regulars who, who you know, can come in and, and the audience knows them. So it's the, you know, events manager at the local RSL and it's the coach of the uh, Echuca Bombers in, in that particular case. And um, the people who are running the, uh, the trade fairs around, there was the Elmore Field Days, which was the great agricultural show in the area. So, mate, that, that was absolutely fantastic doing that. Um, and then, uh, uh, I got to a point where I thought, look, I've, I've got this degree sort of half finished. Um, I've got a couple of years regional under my belt. Uh, if I kind of take a step sideways to go forward, is there a chance that maybe I can move back to Melbourne, finish my degree and maybe get some um, producing work? So I wrote to, uh, as many stations as I could and the one that came back was Neil Mitchell at 3AW, who had uh, the, the, a lot of radio people will have been told this. We'd love you to come in, do some phones for us. We can't pay you, but the opportunity is there. So, um, you know, to I think I was 21, 22 by this stage. Uh, I, uh, I thought, great, let's, let's do that. And um, with, uh, within a few months, uh, the November uh, 2008 election of Barack Obama came around. Um, and, uh, it coincided with me actually being in, in the States for a little while. So I kind of became Neil's advanced producer on that story. Um, you know, working on, uh, cause he was going to come over and do a week's OB from New York. So I was the advanced producer on that, set up all his guests in New York. And at the end of that, he thought, uh, you know, I'd, I'd had a go and, and recommended me to the, um, to the, uh, program director, Clark Forbes at that stage. And, and so I, when I got back to Australia, I, Got my first full-time job in Metro as a junior producer on the Darren Hinch show. Uh, so I worked for Darren, who was great. Who uh, on uh, <laughs> he, had this, he thought he was very funny. He said, uh, uh, "You know, come in here, I want to give you something." And took out one of the novels that that he'd written, um, which uh, is about a uh, a handsome and rugged foreign correspondent turned talkback host who solves murders. I think it might just be based on a true story uh, from Darren's perspective. Uh, and uh, yeah, wrote an inscription, welcome to the team. So I'm thinking, uh, uh, how good is this? So I'm working at, at you know big station, 3AW. Uh, and then from there, I um, got an offer from Neil, which in those days, to tell Darren Hinch that you were going to Neil Mitchell's show was a difficult thing to do because they were very much, you know, at opposite ends of the day on 3AW and, and uh, you know, rough competitors. Yeah. Um, so that was a tough conversation. But but anyway, uh, moved over there to work under Justin Smith, who is an incredible producer and, and on-air talent too in, in Melbourne now. Um, and, uh, and under Neil, who... You know, is uh, I've had a lot of great bosses, and Neil is is one of the best. Just just an incredible, 
um, journalist and and a Melbourne person and radio person. Um, so that was uh, so that was 2008. Spent the next four or five years on the Mitchell Show, and in that time, became the on-air reporter. Um, so I'd go out to to things that were breaking while we were on air and report back to Neil from the scene. Um, and uh, around that time at Three AW, uh, Rex Hunt um, was uh, left the station, and Brian Taylor came in to head up Three AW Football. And Brian offered me a job as a boundary rider on weekends on Three AW Football. Um, which eventually turned into me doing the stats. So I was doing Neil Monday to Friday footy on the weekends. Uh, and then around that time, Channel 9 uh, offered me a job as a reporter for them. Um, but I uh, I said, look, I'm, I'm happy to try television. It was never in the plan, Gondi. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was, I was a radio guy from my late teens. But I did it on the basis that... Um, that Channel 9 would let me continue to do my radio on weekends at 3AW Football. Um, and, uh, yeah, soon after that, I, I got asked to, to come across from 3AW to Triple M. And so just prior to going over to London, I was doing Triple M Breakfast with Eddie Maguire as their news guy and then uh, running stories for Channel 9 News in the evening. Well, look, I mean, you make the rise sound so easy. You make it, you know, you do a couple of years in the regional, then you're working and you you rattle off some big names, Neil Mitchell, and these are big, these are radio legends, Darren Hinch, and I mean, even Rex Hunt with the work he did with uh, football on radio. Mm. These are mm. these are big names that not everyone gets access to, but I mean, for you to be able to go away for a couple of years and then work your way through, and I guess that's where the great thing lies is that because you've got so many different things that you cover, even though it falls under radio, but you had the the producing that you're interested in, the journalism that you're interested in and hosting the the show. I mean, is that something you would say to radio people is to broaden the horizons a little bit, maybe not be so narrow in what they choose to do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I always in my heart, you know, wanted to get to a point where I was on air, but if I hadn't done those years, you know, first of all, in the country where, you know, you're doing everything, um, th- that was just so important. And, and, you know, I, it's, it's such a strong tradition in the industry and I could not encourage it enough working for a regional station. As you know, you, you, you have to do everything. So, you know, I'm there, I'm doing my voice breaks. I'm using my incredibly primitive Adobe audition skills to try and cut together sketches. You know, you're, you're helping with sales, writing a bit of copy here and there. Um, and so you, you get an idea for the business and, and that's why you go there. And you also, you, you don't realize um, how much you have to learn until you get into that environment. And then when you take that next step, you know, to hopefully to, to take a Metro job, and in my case, going sideways to go forwards was the way to go. You do look back on your earlier years and, you know, you might think you had it all together, but again, working under the guys that I did like Darren and Neil, you, um, you know, you, you, you realize, Hey, I might think I'm pretty cool, but these guys are the best in the business for a reason. I got a long, long way to go Yeah, and you learn and you make mistakes. I mean, you know, I, I can, um, having details, an eye for detail is important in any industry. And, you know, you, you sometimes have to learn that the hard way. And, and, you know, that was definitely the case for me. I, I don't want to make it sound like, um, I was a great success with everything I've ever done. You know, I'll never, ever forget the day that, um, uh, Justin Smith, who was Neil's, uh, senior producer and I was his deputy, uh, he was away one day pretty early on in my time on that show. Uh, and on the Friday of that week, Neil was doing an outside broadcast from the Australian Open. And I was the producer and, you know, I was 
accompanying Neil now to the tennis. And, and I'm thinking, how good is this? I'm in my early 20s, working on a big show. We're doing an OB from the tennis. You know, I'm pretty cool. I can Living walk around the dream. Labor. Exactly right. Um, only I had completely forgotten to check with anybody at the tennis centre in Melbourne as to whether there would be a security guard to open the gates to get us inside the tennis centre to be able to do the outside broadcast. Yeah. Just completely overlooked this massive mistake on my behalf. So I'm standing outside Rod Laver with the highest rating talkback host in Melbourne. We can see our studio through the fence but we've got absolutely no way of getting there. And Neil taught me some words I have never heard before on that particular day. And eventually we did get to where, but it was a massive mistake on my part. But from that day, uh, I learned that, you know, every detail is important and make sure uh, it's not all, <laughs> don't go in with the attitude. It'll all work out on the day. A hundred percent. I can uh, relate to that. And I just wanted to, because you brought up the Australian Open and it made me think we did a broadcast there when I was working with Husey and Kate yeah. and we did a broadcast there. I think it was just one day just to launch the Australian Open, but they gave me a media pass for two weeks. So ah, I, good. <laughs> I had, I had access to the player's uh, cafeteria and I had a $30 a day budget where I could actually eat because they thought Ooh. I'd be there every day. Yep. Now we were only there on the first day. So I was still going down there on other days just to <laughs> eat at the cafeteria and it was great. I'd be sitting there and one day I was sitting there, I was eating and Rafael Nadal was on the table next to me wow. before he had the game that night. So I was just kind of, you took me back to my early twenties <laughs> when I was just swanning around the Australian <laughs> open tucking into the, the best food you can get there. Did you get that kind of access? <laughs> well, no, because we were stuck outside the yeah. fence. No one could let us in. <laughs> Starving. <laughs> when you say Neil Mitchell lost to that, Joe, I mm. mean, what uh, these guys are, you know, they're big names. I mean, you work with Eddie now and, mm. and that kind of stuff. Ego in radio. How do you find with these uh, big names? Is everyone different or do you know what I mean? Are you finding that the egos are big and you need to manage them or is everyone pretty down to earth for the people that you've worked with, those names that you've mentioned? Well, I wouldn't say, yeah, like lost it at me is probably not the expression I would use because I deserved it. You know, yeah. it was my job to make sure he got to air. Um, you know, he's a very successful, driven, intelligent guy. And, you know, I, I deserved it on that particular day. Um, the thing about Neil, Neil is, as I said, one of the best bosses I've ever worked for, uh, because some people might sort of not find this hard to believe, but, but Neil is a pretty egoless sort of guy. You yep. meet Neil Mitchell in the street. He is, um, softly spoken, quiet, respectful, um, it's just, I, I think he gives it all on behalf of the city for the three and a half hours that he's on air. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, mate, look, I, it's an interesting question. I, I think, um, I mean, you know, you, 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 you have to treat each other with as much respect as possible. I mean, you know, Eddie is an incredible mentor to me. So, so, you know, I have nothing but good things to say about him. I, you know, I, I think, um, I don't ask in a bad way, by yeah, the way, I'm yeah, not saying no. that they do have big egos. I'm just saying mm. when, you know, they're the face and they're, they're running the show there. And I mean, they are big names in the media industry. I'm just interested to, to know what they're like to work in and around and, yeah. and maybe what you take from them as, as you move forward as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing I learned from Neil particularly is just always be looking for ways that you can move uh, a story, a segment, an idea on, um, you know, it's, it's all well and good to, to find a story that, you know, if you're perhaps in FM that kind of sounds funny, or if you're in AM that is sort of, um, something that matters to the audience. Um, 
but but you know, always look for the way that you're moving it on, be it an interview or or, or be it a, a piece of audio that kind of builds on the original idea. Um, I think one of, I mean, if you want to talk about the things I learnt from from Neil, Neil's the best advice he ever told me on one of my first days was when you're putting a show together, think about what the atmosphere is like around the town on that day. If it's the day before the grand final, you don't need to be doing stories about power bills or, you know, um, uh, dry, you know, tough, important stuff, but, but dry stuff. If, if it's the day before grand final, you want to try and reflect the atmosphere in the town. So be positive about the town. Talk a bit of footy. Find the stories that are going to make people feel good about themselves. I mean, if it's, you know, a, a, a different sort of day and, you know, say it's a say it's the day after something like that awful incident rampage, call it what you want, at Burke Street in Melbourne a few years ago, you need to reflect that atmosphere. You need to be respectful. You need to be, uh, you know, sorrowful. Um, and, and I think that that's so true, particularly with Talkback Radio, because you're... Um, you know, the, the, the audience in the way of callers is actually 80% of your content that's going to air. So, so you're going to hear that atmosphere, um, uh, full and, and, uh, through the speakers, but yeah, I mean, the best you can do to, to match the mood of your market, um, is, uh, is going to hold you in good stead for pulling, pulling a show together. I think that's the great thing about radio though, is that you, you know, through the speakers and what you convey in your, uh, vibe, I guess you might want to call it for lack of a better word, mm. the vibe that you put out there, it is the feeling of the, the town you're in or the city you're in It you know, people tune in to get a sense of what's going on. And that's the, that's the beauty of it. That's the, that's mm. the part of it that I love that you yep. can reflect that and you're at the forefront of that, you know what I mean. Yep. You don't get that from any other mediums, I guess. No, uh, no, and you're right. And particularly when you are in smaller markets. I mean, what I, you know, to, to to people, and I'm sure there are people who are just starting out in their careers listening to your show, Gondi. Yeah. You know, absolutely. We're jumping around a bit here, but that's if fine. You are that's, in that's a smaller. That's the beauty of a podcast, Seb. <laughs> yeah. You can just jump around. <laughs> exactly. When you are in that community, wherever it is, be it a capital city, be it a regional town, absolutely immerse yourself in the town itself. You know, there's 100%. no point doing, um, you know, Hollywood content when your audience actually cares a bit more about, you know, the local sporting ground or yeah. what's happening to the fish and chip shop that's been there for 50 years. That's the stuff people actually care about, you know, rather than thinking that you should be talking about what's on TMZ or anything like that. Go, uh, you know, a, 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 as local as possible. I couldn't agree more because when I left Nova in Brisbane to take on the, a five-day-a-week show for the Central Coast, so I'm in my third year here and Central Coast about an hour from Sydney, which that's what I love about it. I've got access to, to mm-hmm. Sydney. and But I've embraced this place so much mm-hmm. that in two and a bit years, people think I'm from here. Yep. And yep. this is people that are born and raised on the Central Coast. They They... To them, I'm one of them. Like, I'm from here. That's how they see it. So that is probably the number one thing you could do, mm. no yeah, matter absolutely. where no matter absolutely. where you are, no matter yep. where you're at. Mm. Now, so you've been overseas. You've been doing the Channel 9 foreign correspondent thing. Uh, mm. Prior to that, you were at Triple M doing news. And now, so you're back on board the Eddie Maguire hot breakfast with Luke Darcy and Will Anderson and doing news for the guys. So when you're sitting there and you're doing news and this is, you know, you've told us about how you've been around the place and delivering content in your way. And you're also doing that with winter breakfast at the moment. Mm. 
How is it to to be the news guy when you want to be? Um, you love both, right? You love the the news and you love delivering content. Like, so where do you sit on that? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I I, I guess journalism as a profession was something that came about for me uh, as. I guess as a result of being on Neil Mitchell's show, Neil's a former newspaper editor. Um, and so, you know, his, um, leadership in, in shaping me kind of led me down that path of, of breaking stories and reporting on news. Um, but you're right. I, I, I still feel comfortable in, in the space. Uh, the last fortnight I've been doing, um, the fill in for survey break while, uh, Eddie's been away, um, hosting the show with, uh, Paul Roos. Uh, and uh, Lima, Anthony Lehman, who is an incredible broadcaster. I've been listening um, to the podcast. Re- oh, mate, no, honestly, really enjoying it. I love uh, the work thanks, you guys mate. do. It's great. Yeah, yeah. no, we, we've had fun. So, mate, yeah, look, um, I think as as my career goes on, I'm sort of um, at a point now where I just want to do what I do well and, and play the role that is best for me on the team. Um, and part of the reason... You know, the couple of things um, as to why I moved back to Melbourne. I'm, I'm getting married in January, which is a big one. Congratulations. Um, thank you, mate. But I'm getting married also... in November, so I just beat you on that. Hey, huh? fantastic, yeah. mate. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, so, but, but the other reason was, you know, I, I also missed uh, doing radio. So um, I, I'd kind of remained a presence on, on the Hot Breakfast and other stations by the nature of the work that I was doing. People would call up and ask for crosses on the Royal Baby or the Royal Wedding. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Eddie, who, who runs the hot breakfast, um, terrifically, he was sort of always in touch saying, mate, you know, we, Melbourne's your home. There's people here at the station that want to work with you again. And, and that opportunity to be in that radio environment was, um, you know, was something that I really wanted to get back to. So, you know, to, to have the opportunity to step into that again and work with friends like Ed, like Luke Darcy, um, Rosemary, uh, Walton on the, um, on the, who's the panelist and sort of unofficial fourth host of the hot breakfast was, uh, was too good an opportunity to pass up. So mate, um, uh, in answer to your question, it's, it's, for me right now, the lure of working in a team like the Hot Breakfast, where I was for two and a half years, a team that I love, people I like, um, to be able to do that and play that role of news was was just a great opportunity and the attraction was the people. And you're not just a news guy either. You're more heavily involved than that. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, I, I try and, um, you know, bring bring extra content where I can. I mean, the... the uh, you know, what I like, I love talking to radio people about the hot breakfast because to me, um, it certainly is a pretty unique show in that I think it is as close to a blend of AM and FM as you're going to get in the country. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It, yeah. it's, it's far more informative than you find with, uh, you know, a lot of other FM shows that are a bit more sort of, uh, not fun's not the right word, but um, more about the fun, if that makes sense. It's more 100%. about, the, you know, a bit of silly stuff, brightening the day, entertainment, all that kind of stuff. But the hot breakfast is very informative for the city of Melbourne. Absolutely. And yeah. that's, and that's taking nothing away from the other morning shows. I mean, no, no, no. we all know how much work goes into making people laugh. Like, yeah. you know, the other great shows that we have in Melbourne, like, uh, you know, Fifi and Fev and, and, um, Brownie, Chrissy Swan and Sam Pang do an awesome job as well. So, you know, those shows, um, the, the, the work rate is, is just the same, but in terms of the content we do, um, you know, we're obviously really clued into footy through, through Dust and Eddie and, and, um, you know, Will Anderson and before him, Mick Malloy brings that comedy, but we're also prepared to go with a breaking news story uh, and stick with it if it is important and compelling. 
Um, so, so I guess for somebody like me, the show is a really nice fit. Um, because we, the nature of the show is that, um, you know, if a story is breaking, then, you know, I'm, I'm in a, they're, they're prepared to kind of use me beyond top of the hour and half an hour bulletins. Yeah. And the great thing about you, because we've had you on our show as well for reports is that you do fit perfectly in there with the, the journalism side, but can also have a bit of fun at the same time. So you're like the master of that. They actually, <laughs> they, they do say that you are a mini Ed McGuire in, in, in yourself. That, that's what they say, right? Are they molding well, you? Praise. Are they molding you in that way? Do you see yourself in that way? I mean, are you are you the next Eddie? Uh, well, mate, it's funny. Like you mentioned coming on your show. I mean, I love. I, I still do, and will always love the Australian radio industry. And the people that I have met in this industry are among some of the most impressive, decent people I've met in my life. And and I and having lived it and, and know what it's like to, you know, get up early, chase stories, come up with content ideas. Um, I, you know, j just love talking to you know somebody like him. I mean, the first time we talked, your listeners won't know this, but on air, um, I was covering some uh, sport in America, some of the NBA finals. And mate, the second, you know, you came on the phone on cue before we come back to the song, you know, you sort of said, g'day. And I could hear it in your voice that you were a radio person and that you loved it. And I think we can recognize each other, yep. you know, and there'll be people listening to this who I will feel the same way about when I meet them. There's just a person, a type of personality that, that just richly loves this business. You're like it and I feel like it too. And I, and I really feel um, happy to be able to spend a few minutes on air with, with people who love the business. I was also massively jealous that you're at the NBA finals. <laughs> you were there when Cleveland won the NBA finals yeah. with LeBron James. Uh, Usher was in the change rooms and you had access to the moment inside the rooms when they were popping the champagne. That is unheard of stuff. It was the strangest, strangest hour of my life. So, I mean, you know, Australian sports tend to be pretty tightly controlled in terms of media access. Yeah. Um, you know, particularly in those moments of great success. But I think America do it a little differently. Either that or I broke the rules. I'm not sure. But, you know, I found myself in, in the dressing room. And so to my left, you know, LeBron James is a six foot eight basketball player. He's holding a bottle of champagne that had to be at least four foot ten, and he's pouring it all over his teammate. I look to my right, uh, and there, with the greatest respect to uh, the, the 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 great R and B singer Usher, he looks like he's had about seventeen VBs at a house party, uh, you know, and and he's wobbling all over the place, standing on a chair, singing "We Are the Champions" by Queen, um, and, uh, and 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 I love this. I sort of looked in the corner, and there was the Aussie member of that roster. Matthew Della Vadova. Delhi. With his mum, his dad, <laughs> and his now wife. Yeah. Just quietly having a beer and taking this in and just thinking it's a long way from Maryborough in country Victoria to being here in the NBA World Championship change room. So, you know, he's a lovely guy, Delhi, and, and I'm really lucky to be able to have, have covered something like that. And, uh, Oh, I got to know you out of it too. So that's a bit of a bonus. I've never wanted to swap places with someone more in my life. I couldn't believe but, it. Yeah. And that was, um, it was incredible. That still is probably the most incredible sporting journey I've ever seen because I got there. I think I missed game one. So it's a seven game series yep. if it goes the distance, which it rarely, rarely does. So I think I got there from game two. And as some people will remember, uh, the, the Golden State heavy favorites, all the superstars, 
um, and they'd won uh, the fir- three of the first four games. Yeah, so no three, team one. had ever ever come back from three one in a finals. And then you know the Brian and at the time Kyrie Irving just put the team on their back, and and you're kind of riding this wave going to each game, thinking surely this isn't possible. But it goes three two, and then it goes three three, and and then incredibly, you know, there it was four three to, to Cleveland. Just an incredible, incredible experience. That was a crazy fortnight because oh. in that fortnight. Muhammad Ali passed away and had his memorial service in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'd come home from one of the games and got a call from Jay Mueller, who was our senior producer at the Hot Breakfast at the time, now at SEN producing Waitley. And if I can just editorialize about Jay, he is the man. Just an incredible, incredible uh, radio person, media person. He produces um, Craig Bruce's podcast, Game Changers, as well, yes. amongst many other podcasts. So he does. He's, he's great. And I met Jay uh, in my early days at Triple M in Melbourne when uh, he had just started there. And uh, he came on as this, uh, you know, one of the great producers of all time is what they yep. were they, they were saying. And yep. he's, a, he's a very down-to-earth, very giving-of-his-time guy. Whenever I chatted to him, he was very giving of his time. I could not speak more highly of Jay. No, he's uh, an impressive guy. And um, so anyway, he rang to say, can you go down to Louisville and, and, and do the Ali Memorial? And then I'm just finishing up in Louisville when what was at the time the, the worst mass shooting in terms of casualties in the history of America went down at a nightclub in Orlando. Yeah. And so I had to fly down there to do a story of a completely different kind to the basketball, which was this terrible tragedy. So mate, it was, that was a, just a really um, emotional few weeks for, for a number of reasons, but also one I'm, I'm really proud of professionally, but um, yeah, I mean, and, and Jay's a great example of um, a, a great radio person too, because he believes in his team. Um, you know, he'll back you uh, if, if um, you know, I, I think that's the key to his leadership that he believes in the people that work uh, beneath him. Um, he believes in that great mantra of always over-communicate off-air so you don't stuff it up on-air. Yep. Um, meaning, you know, you might feel like you're embarrassed to, to speak up and say, hey, I don't understand how we're doing this break or, hey, I don't know exactly how you want this audio cut, but it's far better to ask that question then let it go to air and have it not be done in the way that the producer or the hosts want it to be done. Um, and he was always good at that, always made the time um, for, for the members of his team to make sure that everybody understood what they were doing. Um, and, uh, and he looks after a lot of young talent who reached out to him because he used to, uh, probably still does, lecture in, in media at one of the universities in Victoria La Trobe. Um, so, uh, yeah, he, he's, uh, he's a great operator. He was always great with ideas as well as to mm. how to take him to that next level, which is, uh, you know, when you're working on a team, that's a hundred percent what you need. It was funny. I think he was a part of a prank that was pulled on me when I was, so when I was at triple M, I was uh, triple M Melbourne for about three years. I forget the exact years that I was there, but, um, I ended up hosting afternoons there, but mm. prior to that, I was a part of the Pete Hellier and Miff show before, yep. Eddie Maguire took over. So I was at the station at the time when uh, Eddie was in the building getting ready to launch the show. Um, He'd been at Triple M before, but he was coming back to Triple M and there was these billboards all around the place (laughs) and it was Eddie's back, you know, Eddie's back all over Melbourne and I was on afternoons and I was pretty young to be on Triple M. I was only in my mid twenties, but they were, they were going a bit younger with a bit of MGMT and, uh, the temper trap and they were going a bit younger for a little while there. And so I kind of fitted right in there, but on my afternoon shift, I, and Eddie was in the building 
Um, I've grabbed... Uh, here, there were some promos running around of saying, I'm back. Eddie was saying, I'm back. So I grabbed uh, Eminem's Guess Who's Back. Right. And I cut the song and I took out Eminem and I put in Eddie. Right. So I played, <laughs> I played some of the song on air and it was, you know, Guess Who's Back with Eddie in it. <laughs> and I thought it was great. I thought, oh, I've nailed that, you know. Do, you know, I'm killing it. Yep. Next thing I know. Nice idea. I mean, mate, even I'm enjoying it just hearing about it. Eddie bursts through the doors. Oh, no. I've just got off air. Eddie bursts through the doors. He's red. I should find the audio of this, actually. And he goes, (laughs) who's on air right now? And I said, me? (laughs) I was shitting myself. He goes, what is that shit on the air? Oh, no. What are you doing playing Eminem with my voice? I did not approve this. And I was like, oh my God. And he burst back out the doors and he left. And I sat there shitting myself. <laughs> no one came back in for a minute. And then the next thing I know, he's walked back in. They've stitched me up. It was the night show. Jay was in on it. Eddie was in on it. I found myself hugging Ed. He loved it in the end. And I was like, mate, I thought my career was done. I thought, oh, oh man, it is over. So, uh... but you know, but that's, that's the great side about Eddie is that He's got that serious side and he's the, you know, king of Melbourne. But at the same time, he can have a bit of fun as well. A beautiful guy. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful guy. Another great supporter of young talent. Um, And it's funny, you know, I often pick his brain, which is is a great privilege. Um, And he himself has a great love for the radio business and actually considers the radio business as the side of, or the string to his bow that really got his career going. I mean, now people will certainly think of him as a TV star, you know, the footy show, millionaire, all that. But um, he says it was, you know, the break of getting onto, I think it was first the Richard Stubbs breakfast show on, on Triple M and then being part of uh, when the D-Generation, uh, who went on to become Working Dog, you know, Jane Kennedy, um, Sando Chilaro, these guys, um, working for their show as the sports guy, um, that really allowed him to break stories, which he would then follow up on Channel 10 News at night time, but also allowed people to get to know who he was besides another bloke in a suit telling you about what's happened during the day on the TV news. Um, and you know, that was just a, I, I think, um, I think still today radio, you know, even though some people might look at, you know, radio, TV, little brother, big brother kind of thing, radio is where you learn media skills, uh, that, that allow you to take big steps in your career. Well, this is what I love about it too. I mean, I've done it since I was kind of out of high school, so I've always had a love for it. But when you hear people going on to, you know, big success on TV, it's always great to hear that radio is kind of their number one or it kind of got them ready for it mm. or whatever it might be. So I always love that side of it because I used to think I wanted to be this, you know, Jules Lunn kind of presenter. And then when mm. I did a little bit of presenting stuff, I... I found I just didn't enjoy it as much as radio because of the immediate side of radio. I really enjoyed that. So, um, yeah, I, I just find it interesting to hear that people have that radio background and that they use it to, I mean, you're an example of it with the stuff that you've done through channel nine. Mm. Oh yeah. And if you want to go, you know, onto television, live broadcast skills are now valued just about more than anything else mm. because you know, TV has realized that in the age of YouTube and all the rest of it, nothing holds in terms of content. So the more content they can deliver live, the more compelling it's going to be. And so if you have live skills, which radio teaches you, yeah. then, you know, you're going to be the type of person they're going to look at for television. So, you know, you just can't get a better background 
than uh, than working in this business. Yeah, that's what I found I actually enjoyed more. So I started yep. doing stuff on the, the morning show, like say with Larry and Kylie, and more opinion pieces like you do with radio mm. when you're hosting a show. So that's the stuff I found I, I enjoyed more. Do you think you're going to miss the foreign correspondent stuff and being, I mean, you rattled off a, a bunch of things that you got to do while you're overseas. Do you feel like you're going to miss that side of it though? Well, look, Triple M's been really good. I mean, uh, the, the, the show, the hot breakfast, incredible show, um, you know, and there's just great leaders at Triple M like Mike Fitzpatrick and, and Sean Goff who, who support the show pushing into different spaces. So I've been really lucky to be able to do some, some travel with, with the hot breakfast, be it that NBA tour we, we talked about. Luke Darcy and I did the Rio games uh, two years ago from, from Rio, which was good fun. So, you know, I still think I'll get, a, get enough of that. And, and I mean, um, I said before, you know, part of the lure of coming home and I'm still with Channel Line, but was to, to rejoin the hot breakfast. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, so, so I, I, in making that decision, it kind of looked at what I'd been able to do in London as the foreign correspondent for Channel Line. And, you know, the, the sort of resume there was, um, you know, a number of, you know, big, but terrible terror attacks, the likes of the Manchester arena bombing, the London bridge terror attack. Um, then, uh, we got into 2018 with Kate Middleton's baby, a Royal baby. And then, you know, once in a generation Royal wedding with Prince Harry marrying a TV star and Meghan Markle. And I, and I sort of thought what's kind of left to do as a London correspondent after you've done a Royal baby, Royal wedding, all of that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I sort of felt like I'd been lucky in the period that I was over there that I'd been able to, to, to cover uh, the, you know, everything you really want to do. And these are all great things that you can use for content down the track as well. You know what I mean? They say, if you want to host the show, you need to have that life experience that you can draw on. And you've oh, got yeah. some amazing couple of years from doing the channel nine stuff and the stuff that uh, triple M get you to do as well. It's funny. You mentioned Goffy and Fitzy was a triple M when I was there as well, but I actually lied to Sean Goff to get myself on the air. Well played. Tell when me he, about this. Well, when he started as the PD, I'd been there for well, now content directors, but I'd been there for about six or so months and he started. And the first thing I did was I went into him and I said, Oh mate, it's great that you're here. Um, I am this close to getting on air at triple M. The last program director said he was about to put me on. He wasn't. Um, <laughs> so right, so the, the moment he walked into the door, I put that into his head and he said, well, go off and let me hear what you've got. And I went to the studio, cut out a demo, gave it to Goffy and uh, he liked it. But he said, I want you to work on this, this and this. And yeah. I said, no worries. So I took that. He got, That was sometime mid-morning. I said, by that afternoon, I had a brand new demo with all the changes that he wanted. And he said, what? You've done it already. And I said, mate, good to go. So the reason yeah. I tell that story is that I get a lot of people say to me, how do you get on air? I think you've got to be on top of it and you've got to be hungry and you've got to, you know, you've really got to be on top of it. I could have easily gone away in a couple of days and gone back to him. But because I went back to him that day, he said, mate, he was impressed. He goes, you're on this weekend. It kind right. of worked that way, that yeah. quick. Yeah. No, you got to, you got to have um, a belief in yourself. Having said that. Goffy, I've never lied to you in any way. Just uh, <laughs> if we cover off on that, but no, but mate, I, I know what you mean, and you're absolutely right. You've got to, you've, um, you know, you've got to have belief in yourself, and that's, you know, what you did in that conversation, and it paid off. Yeah, and they're still there, Goffy and Fitzy, running the yep. show, doing a great job with uh, with Triple M. Uh, now, I've got a thing on the podcast that I do, which is uh, a random question towards the end of the podcast. So, 
it's a bit of a new thing that I'm doing, but uh, I get my last guest to ask a question and then I put it to you. So mm -hmm. it was Nick Kelly and Jem Maddox and their question was this. How do you strike the balance? Between being happy in the market you're in and the position you're in and having big career ambitions. We've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I guess we can do a little bit more on it. How do you find this balance? I think if you come across to people like you're in too much of a hurry, it might actually be more of a handicap than you realize, would be my uh, feedback. It's a lot of people who say things like, you know, I got to the top of the mountain, found out there was nothing there. Balance is so important in life. And if you are able to, to stay calm, to do what you do and do it really well, but also show that, you know, you, you're humble and that you're able to work in a team, I think you'll find that the opportunities will actually come to you more so than if you run around trying to knock people off or kick down doors. I think especially these days, you know, people are looking for, for, for character, for team players. Um, and, you know, sometimes uh, being in too much of a hurry can, can blow yourself up a bit. So, you know, I, I would just say don't benchmark your success to anyone else. Yep. Career is not linear. You will have great peaks and then you might go away for a while and then you might come back and do something else. It's the idea that you always have to be further or more successful year after year compared to the year before doesn't get you anywhere because you want to be in this business for a whole career. You want to make friends in it. Um, but you also want to have time for the stuff that makes you a better broadcaster, like your friends and your family. And so if you're always pushing, pushing, pushing in career, you don't have anything interesting to talk about for content for one, yeah. <laughs> because you're not going out and meeting people and, and hearing interesting stories. But you know, for the second radio is such an honest medium and, and people can sort of hear, um, if, uh, you know, if, if you, if you don't have that kind of peace and that kind of balance. So, you know, I, I would say, and I have failed at this in life at times, at times, you know, career has been just so important to me that I've, you know, probably pushed myself too hard or come across as too eager, uh, in my career. And I think that may have cost me opportunity. So these days, you know, my focus is on doing what I am asked to do and doing it well. Um, and, and being somebody that other people want to be around. I think the other downfall about wanting to move on to the next thing too much or constantly thinking of that next thing and, and how you're going to get there is when I think back on my 10 plus, you know, years of navigating my way through radio, the times where I've really wanted to get to that next thing, I look back and think, I didn't enjoy that time there as much as I should have. And it goes quick. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You, yep. you spend the whole time wishing for that next thing that, you know, what you've got then and there is actually some of the best times that you can have. And you don't want to wish that away because mm. no, it moves, 100%. it moves quick. Yep. A hundred percent. And yeah. yeah, I can't say that enough. You know, um, life is not linear. That, that is just, I think such an important thing, um, that, you know, you, Next year is not always going to be better than the year before. Um, you know, sometimes you'll go sideways, sometimes you'll go backwards. Um, but, but it's a journey. And, and if you are always trying to be further along than you were last year, you're going to find you're putting unnecessary pressure on yourself. Yeah. 
And the more you're loving what you're doing, the better your work is, which yep. is more of an opportunity to get to your next thing. So 100%. you can only focus on what you can control at that point in time. Now I have to put it to you, uh, not knowing who my next guest is, do you have a random question you'd like to put to whoever that might be? Who was the interview that you spoke to and then went home and thought, why didn't I ask that question? Um, Who was the person (laughs) and what was the question? Who was the person? What was the question? It happens all the time, Seb. Absolutely. That's one of those things that you need to block out too as well with radio. Like you finish on air, you do something on air or an interview and you go, I should have done that. Oh yeah. You could get caught up on that for a, you need to move on to whatever the next thing (laughs) is or you'll do your head in. You will. I could have set that break up so much better. But there's always the next one. There's always the next one. That's it. We'll be back just after this. Seb Costello, (laughs) it has been great to have you on the podcast, mate. It's awesome to hear that you're back in Melbourne, back on board the Triple hot breakfast and the stuff that you're doing with Paul Ruse and Limo is great too. And mate, it's just awesome to hear that you're a radio person amongst it all. And I'm sure people that listen to this podcast are going to love it as well, man. I appreciate it. Mate, it's great that you're celebrating the business. That is the great thing about this podcast. Seb Costello. Thanks, mate. The Radio Randomly Podcast. Hosted by Gandhi and produced by Gia Moylan. Chatting randomly to radio people about radio.